HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we celebrate Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month with an episode about memory. I've always read and sort of approached cookbooks for more than the recipes. To me, they are full of narrative content and narrative value. So malama'aina basically means to take care of the land. For us as Hawaiians, it's taking care of our older sibling. But I do remember like definitely feeling like self-conscious about it, like being the only one who kind of wasn't eating a sandwich and like didn't have a bag of goldfish or Lunchables. Listen to Meet and 3 wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Lola Adeyami, founder of It's Super, a line of Afrofusion soups and sauces. It's Super is currently sold online in Canada and across Ontario, Canada, via Sobeys, Whole Foods, and a number of other retailers. In 2019, It's Super was nominated by the Retail Council of Canada for Best New Product and awarded the Black-Owned Small Business Grant from Canadian law firm Castles Rock. Welcome, Lola. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me, Allison. I'm, I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, well, we met yeah. on LinkedIn. Yes. And <laughs> um, I just, you know, I feel like solidarity with people who are making soups and sauces and things mm-hmm. in pouches and trying to bring flavor. Um, yes. And I, I don't know, your comments are always like really productive, I think, for other founders and really... Um, they resonate with me because I think we're both trying to build something and, um, you know, when you're building something from scratch, there's a lot more no's than yeses. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And Um, I think, like I mentioned to you when we met that I had looked up 
like I you look up sauces, like people who are doing really great in soups and sauces. And so um, I'd been following your brand. It's like, oh my God, this is such a like cool brand. So when you reached out, I was like, oh my God. Oh, thank <laughs> so, you. Yeah, no, it's, it's really fun. So yeah. That's like, this is like the best part, I think. Mm-hmm. One of the best parts of doing the job. Um, so let's start a little bit with about you. I know that you grew up in Nigeria and you moved to Canada, but I don't know when and, and what you were like and what you were interested (laughs) in and what your goals were. Yeah. So I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria. It's in West Africa. Um, I grew up middle-class family. My dad was in the military. My mom was a civil servant working with the government and, um, I had a pretty decent childhood. Um, Nigeria, obviously, there's a bit of like, you know, political unrest. Um, but, you know, I'll say one of the restful, peaceful countries in Africa, <laughs> considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, so I had a pretty good childhood, I would say. And then um, I but I always kind of am a very ambitious person. And um, um, I I was the last uh, of uh, three, uh, three kids, uh, mm-hmm. an only girl. And my dad's, I would say my dad didn't hide it. I was his favorite. And um, <laughs> I was going to study. I was, I was actually in medical school. Um, so throughout high school, we called it secondary school in Nigeria and throughout high school, I did well in school. I had no issues. I was like that good, you know, poster right. child. And, um, and I was going to study medicine and surgery. I'd actually got into medical school. I just realized this isn't for me. I, I'm a creative person and I right. wanted to just move into arts. Uh, but Nigeria and Africa, Nigeria specifically can be a little kind of strict when it comes to like, once you've chosen a career, mm-hmm. that's it. That's where mm-hmm. you have to go. So, um, and at the time, because of the unrest, um, education was kind of going down. So a lot of people who could afford it, mm-hmm. uh, sent their kids, uh, abroad, but right. I couldn't afford it. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, my uncle, uh, who's, uh, well to do, um, and his wife sponsored my first year of school. And then wow. I had to hustle my right. way as an international student, work two jobs, uh, in the summer, work a job in, you know, in school during school and just hustle my way through as an international student, finish school. Wow. And then um, I studied communications, writing and communications, and I enjoyed it. And after gra- so I went to University of Winnipeg. Actually. Right. In Winnipeg. Right. Yeah. And then after graduating, I'm like, so what am I going to do with this? Okay, was it yeah. always <laughs> the plan to stay in Canada or was part of the plan to go back to Nigeria? So home is where the heart is. And if you ask most Africans, they would say Mm -hmm. they love Canada, they love North America, but you know, they miss home. Right. But when sometimes what you've left behind hasn't gotten better, Mm -hmm. you keep waiting and waiting. And then this ends up being where Canada ends up being where you've lived more than where you were born. And Mm -hmm. then it becomes your new home. Um, because yeah. you hope and hope that things get better. And there's still hope for, you know, Nigerians, Africans, or people from some other third world countries that things will get better. But then you start to move more. You, you start to even move your family more because you want them close to you. And then you, you have new roots. So yeah. it's still the hope that, you know, and I still, you know, go to Nigeria, visit my, my, my dad, my mom, and uh, most of my siblings now live abroad. So, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, it wasn't the full intention at the time. It was really just, you know, to come here and study and yeah, hopefully stay, get a job, work, and maybe move back home with that education to get a right. good job in Nigeria. Right. Yeah. Was there a community of other 
West Africans or specifically Nigerians that you were able to like connect with when you first got to Winnipeg or did you feel sort of just, yeah, you know, so, lost? So the reason why I picked, and at the time when I moved, so I moved in, to Canada in two. 2005 mm-hmm. and at the time I moved it was spring in 2005 but it was freezing cold Winnipeg right yeah <laughs> so, yeah um, and I'm like what am I doing here this is not <laughs> what it looked like in the magazines you know what you envision high school yeah. like those you know I know what you did last summer and all those movies you watched yeah. and I'm like this uh-huh. is not what it looked like yeah <laughs> um but the adjustment was easier because my cousins uh were already international students there so ah, I moved in with them oh, so great. that was a good adjustment because yeah. they had already been in Winnipeg for a year or so right. when it came to registration in school and then they already had some international student friends yeah so yep. I just you know, automatically became friends with those people yeah um and so it was an easy adjustment because Winnipeg was also a, a kind of a, a university city. It's mm-hmm. like a big city in a small city kind of thing. So yep. um, there are two major universities there, University of Manitoba and University of Winnipeg. And so it's a small enough city that everybody kind of knows everybody, but big enough that, you know, there's still like, um, you know, offices and right. you know, companies and all that in there. So um, so that helped. Um, there was a good Nigerian community through church and through um, um, other avenues. So yeah, that, that helped my adjustment for sure. And then you're, even though you were kind of trying to do something creative, you ended up doing IT and tech and yes. Yeah. For the money. Right. So, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, at the beginning, I'm kind of some, somebody who's uh, kind of ambitious and also the reality of the fact that, okay, I wanted to do something creative. So I studied communications, I studied writing and rhetoric, but then I'm thinking in my mind, okay, what am I going to do with this? I'm an international mm-hmm. student. How am I going to get a job at CTV? I was going to go further and study um, creative communications, or I forgot what it was, but corporate communications or something like right. that, just to maybe go a step further. Um, and, but then it was, that means more school fees. I couldn't afford that. I was just tired of working so many jobs. So, um, so, uh, my now sister-in-law, my boyfriend's, uh, sister was Mm -hmm. a project manager and we came to visit them in Toronto and I heard how much she was making. I'm like, please. I want to do that. (laughs) I want to do that. (laughs) And then she's like, okay, I studied project management. So I went back to Winnipeg, found this, um, and it wasn't, this was like, you know, practically 14 years ago. So mm-hmm. project management, IT wasn't as easy to reach as it was as it is now where you can right. just go to a community college and study. Um, so I had to, um, I went to um, 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 a, a business school and it was so expensive, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to invest in my future. And I did mm-hmm. the ROI on it. Um, I ended up not doing project management. I studied business analysis because I thought business analysis was more me because it involved a lot of writing, thinking, right, right, right. in IT. So I studied that, moved to Toronto, and I was able to, at first, when I moved to Toronto, and even while I was in Winnipeg, I was actually working in investment. So I was working in the IT, uh, sorry, investment, wealth wealth management industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I moved here and continued working in wealth management while trying to find a junior role in IT. And I finally found one. And that's basically how I worked in IT for about a decade. Right. Before, I mean, uh, yeah. And then you're, you know, working in IT, you have a great job in Toronto, you married your college sweetheart, you're like, looking for soup. And yeah. <laughs> There's nothing that really speaks to you. Um, 
My understanding from what I've read is that it wasn't just that you were looking for specifically West African flavors. It was that you were looking for flavor. You were looking for vibrance and the, you know, what's on the shelf was, I mean, you know, I, I, we talk a lot at Haven's Kitchen. Like I don't have a, you know, I, I grew up in New York. I don't have a particularly like interesting, you know, background, but I do know that there's more to, to sauce than marinara and, you know, ranch dressing. And that was kind of, you know, even though I'm not necessarily going back to a heritage that I have, um, anyone who kind of looks at the, the sauces and the soups that have been in, you know, in the markets and on the shelves for the last, you know, five decades, they haven't changed much. The flavor profiles haven't changed much. There isn't a lot of, um, you know, different types of spices and flavor profiles and interesting combinations. And so um, I think it's really cool that you not only sort of wanted to bring in a little bit of home, um, but you also kept it open-ended. You weren't being super like this has to be this exact West African combination. Um, It seems like you kind of opened it up to just bringing more flavor to the shelf. Yes, that that's 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 pretty much it. You you you're spot on. Um, So first of, I I guess I would say that the the way the idea came to me is still going back to the creative thing, and also there are two reasons why I started this, or Mm -hmm. maybe three. Um, The first reason. Um, being my creative side, feeling kind of like needing more while working in IT. I was getting bored. I wasn't getting mm-hmm. like, you know, it was easy for me because it came naturally yep. to be to be able to think outside the box and all that. Um, um, so I was doing well. I was working in the government, had like six figure salary. I was doing good. But then I thought, oh, God, I'm so bored. Mm-hmm. And number two, the other reason why I started was all true my career working if we had potlucks or if we had any gatherings where I knew there wasn't going to be only Africans um, I would make the effort extra effort to make interesting African meals Mm. so that people I wanted to share that I wanted to share that part of me Mm -hmm. Um, and as I always say like people would fight over my Tupperware like I wasn't (laughs) a potluck meal that was still left over nobody was going after like mine was always empty and I went home proud you know yeah and um, a question that people ask me is like Lola how can I make this Mm -hmm. Um, where can I buy this and I couldn't direct them to any restaurant any Mm -hmm. any place like go to the the local Whole Foods and buy this and this just the way that I would do with nan or curry because I love Indian curry and nan and I could easily just go to my neighborhood grocery store and buy that. So there's been a lot of evolution in Asian, um, Mm -hmm. evolution and innovation in Asian cuisine, but not the same with African cuisine. So this is all kind of like coming together myself subconsciously, myself not even thinking in the future that I was going to create something, but it's something that was already building in me that, wow, there's that gap. I can't really tell them where to go. And I thought, right. there's a gap there. Still not a thinking of a business. Um, mm-hmm. I think when this really germinated was, um, and when the seed was starting to really grow was, um, you know, I come to a point in my life and my husband and I have been trying to have a baby. We had been mar- we've been married for a, a long time now. Um, and I was just like feeling that kind of like 
emptiness and mm-hmm. I just want like oh god I just want something that I can do that could just distract me from this yeah. right because yeah. it can be uh, if you know anyone who's gone uh, through yeah. that it can be really overwhelming and can consume you mm-hmm. and I just wrote it down I said you know what god like I grew up Christian and so I'm like okay when I'm down I just pray I meditate on it and pray and so I just wrote it down and said I just want something that I can do that I can sell that people want to buy. I'm like, Mm -hmm. God, I don't know what it is, but I want (laughs) to do something that I'm passionate about that would not only distract me, but I will have fun doing. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. And then I started thinking of different ideas. We'll share with my husband. My husband would be like, ah, nah, that's not good. I thought of like, (laughs) you know, gym wear for like African inspired gym wear. I thought of like, oh, um, Uber, like an Uber kind of dine-in with me, Uber kind of thing. My husband was like, ah, no, that's too logistical nightmare. Right, right. So we just thought of different (laughs) things until um, like most ideas of mine that are great (laughs) come, came in the shower. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Mine too. And you know what? Courtney, who works with me, got me a waterproof pad to keep in the shower, like on the shower shelf so that when I have ideas in the shower, because I don't know about you, but I find I'm like, do my hair has all the shampoo Mm -hmm, and like, do I mm -hmm. get out? And then I'm going to be cold and wet. And so then I'm like, remember it, remember it, remember it. Remember it, remember it. That's so funny. I actually read a thing. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but I read a thing recently how that happens to a lot of people. And it's basically because your brain, it's it's like your brain rests a little Mm -hmm. bit when you're Mm -hmm. in the shower because you're not doing anything this is why rest is so important and not doing something is so important because some other part of your system kicks in and Mm -hmm. starts to think um and then all of a sudden you find yourself like soaking wet dripping on the thing writing out like i'm i slack people in the middle of the show you know and i try not to bring my phone into the bathroom because i feel like no good can come of that but all right so you're in the shower that is a (laughs) splendid idea the note wet the note i know i'll I'll send you a link yeah okay and i actually did share it on linkedin sometime because i'm like why does this always happen to me and then sometimes i'm in the shower and i'm screaming ideas out to my husband right 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 you're in the shower i cannot hear you (laughs) i know it's so (laughs) wait till you come out but um, that is fresh. I just want to say it out so I right. don't forget, right? I'll so. be like, did, did we call so-and-so <laughs> from whatever market, from whatever? Because, you know, know, and maybe we should send her a thing. Yes. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. And so, um, so you're in the yeah, shower. The way it came, yeah. I was in the shower and then I swear to God, it was just this kind of, you know, when people talk about a light bulb moment, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was a shower moment. Like, you know, when <laughs> the shower is just coming down mm-hmm. and the idea was just flooding me. I said, wait. I'm going to have a soup line. I'm like, wait, there's a gap in the supermarket. Lola, you love soup. Mm-hmm. Every time you make soup that you buy ready to eat, you have to make Doctor it over it again up. because it's yeah. the same soups in different packages, right? Like, plus soup is a mainstay of African cuisine. We eat soup every day. Sometimes yeah, in the morning. for breakfast too. I yeah, love that. Yeah, even for mm-hmm. breakfast. And we mix it with stew and sauces. So you put soup in your sauce, stew in mm-hmm. your sauce. Like you, you mix it all together. The soup is a main meal. And the yam, the bread, the cassava, whatever you eat with it is just to take the soup down. It's, it's mm-hmm. just to, it's just an addition. But the soup is what you gather around for, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I thought, you know what? There's a gap there to, number one, change the idea or the concept of what soup is. It's not for when it's cold. I'm not from a cold country and we eat soup every mm-hmm. day. It's not a winter soup season thing. It's a meal. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be just an appetizer or a starter or whatever. It is the main meal. And just... 
it's a hearty gumbo of like mm-hmm. different, you know, different combinations of vegetables, meats and fish and crayfish and stockfish and meats and ch- like all kinds mm-hmm. of whatever it is that you the catch for the day that your mom finds at the market and whatever it is that you have left over at home and you put it in and just make this amazing meal, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, rooted in years, decades, centuries of tradition. Right. Yeah. And I thought, OK, I'm here. And one of the things that makes us happy is when there's that nostalgia of something you had when you were home and or reminds you of Nigeria. And I thought, OK, I'm going to have a soup line. And right there in the shower, I also thought of the name. I'm like, I'm going to have a soup line. I'm going to call it It's Super. The logo came to my head. Allison, I'm not joking. I left the shower, went in, wrote on my notebook, It's Super, checked on Google. I was like, wait, how is this name not a, how is this name not taken? It seems so simple. So I, I, I booked the, um, um, website URL, the website. Mm -hmm bought the page, what did all that. And I'm like, okay, so now what? <laughs> right. I'm so, like, okay, where exactly. do I go from here? This is going to be a complex thing. Right. I'm like, I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, but basically that's how the idea just started. And then, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Since I love it. Then. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to do the, like the now what? Because that's okay. what everyone wants to know. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat, and it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st slash hrn. That's ju.st slash hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble. Great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, It's so good, I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn. I'm back with Lola Adeyami, founder of It's Super. Um, okay, so I'm, you know, the bulk of people I think who listen to this show are people who either have ideas that they're trying to figure out whether they want to actually go for it, people who are, you know, either my stage or your stage or around our stage, just trying to figure stuff out for resources and things like that. But yep. I think that 
you know, there's no one way to just like, there, there's no like step one, da, 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 step two, you know, like it, yeah. everyone has like yeah. a little different approach and yeah. there are the product people and there are the brand people and, and there are the, you know, finance people. But, you know, if you can give a couple of, I mean, you knew enough to, you know, you, you got the website. Um, that was step one for you. And what was step two and step three? How did you figure out, you know, was it going to be shelf stable? Was it going to be, you know, how, how did you figure out making it and doing it? That's a great question. I had no clue what I was going to do. And I was, I had the idea and I was so excited. And that's me. When I get ideas, I get so excited. I get consumed with it. Um, which is probably good. I'm not a rich person because if I was rich, I'll have so many ideas. Right, right. <laughs> so many, you know, bad things that I've done, wasted money on. But anyway, um, I um, thought, okay, I started doing some research and I thought, okay, one of the reasons, one of the things I knew that I didn't want to do was to come out and look like a, like a, mar- a brand that was just going to be stuck in the Philly market. Now, mm-hmm. it's not that some African or black owned brands are not creating products that people want to enjoy, but they're not following the le- legislations, probably because there's no education, there's no enlightenment, or they don't even know that it is accessible to be able to get into Whole Foods, right? They don't, right. They don't, they don't realize that they can dream that big. Well, so I think, just, I, yeah, that's, yeah. That, I mean, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I think that's yeah. a great point. And it's not mm-hmm. just, you know, it's not just, you know, international people or, you know, immigrants or West Africans or whatever it is. It's, I think a lot of people just think that if I have something special and delicious, it therefore can't be mass market. It has to be specialty and it has Mm -hmm. to be farmer's market and it has Mm -hmm. to be, you know, I know this little store and they have very special items. The, the, it's, so A, they're not thinking big, but B, mm-hmm. there's so much burnout, right? Because yes. you're you're never gonna make money that way. You yes. know, it's just exactly. you know, so you might as well, if you're gonna do it, I mean, this is one of the things that Gail Becker from Collie Power said last week, like mm-hmm. go big, you know, mm-hmm. because you're gonna work just as hard to make a sweet line exactly. of a couple of things that have a three-day shelf life that you sell mm-hmm. in that one store as you are to make something that's viable for Whole Foods, which is, exactly. you know, amazing. Exactly. Sorry. So exactly. Yeah. So, so when I, when I started, I thought, okay, what can I do to make sure that nobody's going to look down on this brand as like, okay, is this made in Africa? Like I wanted it to be African, mm-hmm. but not looking like it wasn't up to par with competition. Right. So I thought, okay, what do I need to do? And I started doing some research. Luckily, I found this incubator program where they do this kind of, uh, uh, they had a cohort that you could apply to. And I think this was November. And so it was ending in December. The application was ending in December because they wanted to start in January. That was January of 2018. Right. And I applied and I got into the program. And the program was basically a feasibility kind of program where you do a feasibility study of like, your idea or concept to see, you know, um, see if it was something that you wanted to get into. I think the course was like maybe $1,300 or something. And I remember a friend of mine telling me, Lola, that's $1,300 that you could use to buy packaging label, everything. And I told her, I said, this is the food industry. It's not like I'm trying to make, 
um, you know, a, 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 a lotion or a lip balm or something. Not mm-hmm. like there's no like, regulation there. But when it comes to food, I have to be extra careful. I'd rather spend 1300 right. and then make mistakes. I mean, I still made a lot of mistakes, but I mean, it was right. 1300 worth, uh, worth it because I'm going to tell you this. When I got into the class and by the end of the course, I was actually losing my confidence in my idea mm-hmm. because it's hard one I was the only black person woman oh, wow. in the class but that wasn't the only reason because all my cohorts everybody was friendly and nice but then I was intimidated because my idea was the only African idea it was the mm-hmm. only ethnic idea everybody mm-hmm. had this kind of bougie ideas like mm-hmm. vegan this and like this mm-hmm. you know, gluten free thing and mm-hmm. like <laughs> gluten free this and oh my god this like exotic like you know um like this fancy fancy right. I think that was that's the word fancy products and I'm just like oh my god like who's gonna want to eat what I'm making you so know? that so, isn't so it's interesting so I that's not what I thought you were gonna say which uh-huh. I think is is it, obviously like it we can also talk about. But what I thought you were going to say was that you were intimidated because you were making something that's, that is challenging to make. Like soup is notoriously challenging to make because of the the time I was in the class, we didn't even talk about like the production of each individual. It was really just about the high level. The idea. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yes. I wish I knew how difficult soup was, but I didn't get into that <laughs> until I actually decided to go ahead and you right. know, you're already in. Um, but what really changed things for me and why mm-hmm. I went ahead was because there, you have this one hour class or one hour session with, uh, with, a, with a mentor. And mm-hmm. that, that came with the program at the very tail end of the program. And when I went in, I showed him, I'd already designed my logo mm-hmm. at, at this time. Remember, I already did the website. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. had the logo idea. Um, so I showed it to him. I told him what I'm trying to do. And he was like, oh, my God, I love this. I've been mentoring this program for years. And I've been waiting for somebody to bring something mm-hmm. like this, something fresh, something new. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling my husband and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go ahead with this. I'm so happy. Somebody, you know, somebody who is an industry expert telling you that you're on the right track with yeah. something and there's something there um, and there's a gap. He agrees that there's a gap there. And he said, you're onto something. And I said, okay, great. I'm going to go ahead with mm-hmm. it. Uh, but now going in and starting, oh yeah. my God, it has been one of the most, you know, crazy, frustrating, yep. rewarding, amazing, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, doing journeys ever. So. I mean, you know, it's so funny because at the beginning you said, you know, I think you had one creative side, two African, you know, mm-hmm. flavors, three, something that made me happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I know. And I was like, uh, <laughs> is this making you happy? Like, which it is. I mean, I know that it is because I know, you know, we feel similarly. Like, yes, yeah. that, you know, it's, it's, it's joyful, but the reality is, and, you know, I was, I was talking to, you know, I was on like a, a you know, like a Zoom call with my team the other day, and mm-hmm. my son was in the room with me, and he looked at me, and he goes, you guys just, you work so yep. hard, yep. and I was like, yeah, because we're creating something mm-hmm. that has never existed, like, of course, 
soup exists and packaged okay. goods exist and mm-hmm. but you're you're not plugging in to something that's to something. already there. Yeah. You're literally yes. clearing land, putting in foundation, yeah. filling in cement. Like it's easier to fix up a house than it is mm-hmm. to like build something totally from mm-hmm. scratch. So Yeah you're going to get more no's than you are going to get yeses, regardless of how amazing your salesmanship is and your product is. And, you know, the people that I know that seem to thrive are the people that like, they learn from the no's, they learn from every time they get like hit by a branch and like stung by a bee and they trip over a rock. They're like, I'm not going to trip over that same rock next time. I'm going to clear the path. So you, um, I mean, you have these, the, you know, I can't get them here. I tried, I was like, can I make a fake Canadian address and then somehow get someone to like sneak it into some box for me or whatever, but they look amazing. Um, and so once this guy, you know, I assume the mentor was, I feel like you said it was a he, um, yes. Once he gave you that, okay, I can do this. This is a good idea. Did you start on figuring out recipes? Did you start making it? Did you figure out packaging? Like all of those questions. All that, all Mm -hmm. that. So I had to now, I had a couple of recipes. Um, So so, and when I call it Afrofusion, for example, Mm -hmm. we have a chili. In Nigeria, we also eat beans. We eat a lot of chili. But we will put crayfish. We put like, you know, in Lagos and Nigeria, we're like on, you know, on the Atlantic. Um, so we ha- have a lot of seafood. So we put a lot of seafood, smoked, dried seafood in our, in our meals. We don't put like bacon in it, for example. So um, what I did with the Meat Lovers Chili was like, oh, well, I love bacon now that I'm a Canadian. Mm-hmm, I want to mm-hmm. put sausage and bacon in my beans. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made the spices and the mix the way I would do it as a Nigerian, right? right. So, so that's that type of like version of the chili. And some of them are purely like West African um, recipes. Um, um, like our, we had our, our chicken peanut soup, uh, our West African pepper sauce. Like mm-hmm. the, those are authentic, um, fully authentic, like West African. But then I toned it down a little bit because it's the spice level is not as spicy as right. we would make it, would make it. things like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so it is an Afro fusion line and I had to now decide on the recipes I was going to start with the recipes that I felt were not as complex and the recipes I felt like based on taste taste testing would do well. Right. And some of them were also based on the fact that I felt like, okay, this is an African a Nigerian recipe staple. I have to have this just like the, uh, which is for example, the fish pepper soup. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have done that one because <laughs> if I'd done more market research, I would realize even though it's popular amongst Nigerians. And then when I started selling it, I realized, okay, Asians love this. Um, Jamaicans, Caribbeans love this because they have similar things, seafood in broth. But like most of the market of the stores that I was in right. at the time were very more Caucasian stores. And people mm-hmm. be like, ah, uh, fish, peppers, I don't know mm-hmm. about this. They don't even want to taste it. They don't even want to try it. Listen, so, I, I, we have, yeah. I mean, we're not 
pushing the envelope all that much with our flavors. And I can't tell you how many times I would do a demo and people would be like, what's your favorite? And I would say, you know, it was a peanut lemongrass at the beginning. Uh And then we swapped out for cashew because of our co-packer. I have to tell you a story on that one. But people literally would be like, oh, no, like arms in my, no, like, no. Oh and I'm like, right in what? Like, How do you like, always feel with that, right? When you're I mean, doing your demos and people are like, so. I, you know, <laughs> and, like, and they're like, lemongrass, ugh, no, absolutely not. And I'd be like, okay, well, do you want to try the other one? And they're like, no. And they would just yeah, walk away. No filter, they would just walk away like, I know, what are you I know. doing? Yeah, yeah, I know. So um, I, I understand when you're dealing with like, you know, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's part of the reason why we just launched a barbecue. Like, yeah. we we needed a flavor that... Mm-hmm people just recognized and they understood yes. and they knew what to oh do God, with Allison, and like we're you know, like we're just speaking the same language to yeah, be honest yeah so i mean um, i'm salivating looking at the chickpea and chicken stew on see, on your website but see, i have you know. a way to get it to you so okay we'll figure that out offline <laughs> okay. okay perfect <laughs> Customs uh, agents, please yeah, don't listen exactly. to the podcast. So, okay, um, so you decided on the flavors and, and, and yeah. were you so making them in like a test kitchen? Like how did you even, what so were yes, you? So yeah. yes, I had like, I did it in like a test kitchen. So I worked with a food developer to kind mm-hmm. of, because I, as Nigerian and most people, I just put spices by hand. I do yeah. salt to taste. I don't measure anything. Right, so right. I had the recipes, but I didn't like measure the full science of it. Uh, so I had to work with a food developer to kind of make sure everything was right. And then we did in a test kitchen. And then I was make I, I had this um, a kitchen that I would rent and go make it. Uh, they had a kettle and then I would cook in batches. Mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. I first started in plastic tubs because mm-hmm. that was just easier to do. I printed a bunch of labels, which I still right. have now. Um, I still look at it. I, I can't throw them away because I'm like, oh, my God, this is cash. This is money, even though mm-hmm. I can't use it anymore. <laughs> right. I know. You're always like, maybe because I'll use it for something. Know, right. Yeah. It's like Because, you know, MOQs, you know. Yeah, MOQs, absolutely. Even though I printed the very, very minimum of what the label printer would do within a reasonable price. At the time, it seemed like it made sense because I didn't realize I would be changing my packaging within the next year. Right. Um, so everyone um, who's yeah. listening, MOQ is oh, yes. minimum order quantity. And it's one of those <laughs> things idea. where, you know, you need, you know, I remember when we first, we, we wanted to put the pouches, you know, we wanted to show them at a show or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And, you know, we were, you're always kind of trying to decide, do I order mm-hmm. 2000 at five cents or do I order, you know, 200 at, Mm -hmm. you know, $8 or whatever it is. (laughs) And if you're good at math, I guess you can figure this stuff out. I'm not. And so I was always just like, I think I just need to order the lowest possible Mm -hmm. number. But then sometimes I'd be like, I cannot stomach paying Mm -hmm. $8 for a thing. So I would end up ordering, you know, Mm -hmm. and eight cases, which turns out to be like 10,000 things and you have no idea what to do with them. And then you end up just, you know, sitting on them and not throwing them away because you feel bad. Yeah. Because you feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. You feel bad. You feel like you wasted money. Yeah. So, um, so I had the plastic tubs and we'll hand label them. I, you know, have my friends, family, Mm -hmm. like whoever was available, my mom visiting at the time, everybody would just chip in, put labels on them. It was very, very grassroots. Like, And was there any shelf life? 
Like, did um, you... So I did shelf life testing mm-hmm. and there was shelf life. Um, I think it was at the time, maybe eight weeks. Okay. It wasn't bad. Because no, that's no great. Or anything. Right. Um, so, um, no, I think it was, yeah, no, it wasn't up to eight weeks. Uh, what am I saying? It was like four weeks or five weeks. No, but that's still great. And so you would make them yeah. in a kettle, cool it yes, down make them in and a kettle, keep them refrigerated. Pour it in myself, hand pour it, uh, using like a funnel thing and then mm-hmm. just snap it, um, still and it was a tamper tamper evident like um plastic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, i started selling and our chicken peanut soup oh my god we couldn't keep it on the shelf like Mm. in the stores that were selling it people loved it because it was a whole different flavor it's like Mm -hmm. what is peanut in the soup like people would not think about like how but it is a a major like we eat a lot of granot we call it Mm -hmm. granot in nigeria and we eat peanut a lot like in you know different things for like we have it as a snack. We have it in meals and mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? So, um, and um, so that was popular. The chili has always been there. I had the fish pepper soup, and then I had the carrot. I had to. So, anyway, fast forward to uh, sometime in the summer 2018. Sobeys, which is the second largest retailer in Canada, yeah. Um, I had a meeting with them, and they were like, "Oh my God, we love the brand. We're interested. We love the story. We love everything." Um, but we're moving away from single-use plastic. Go find something else that is a little bit more sustainable. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. you're in pouches, uh, mm-hmm. Ali, and um, as you know, other people that are either moving away from plastic jar, uh, tubs are either in glass jars or pouches. And Which glass jars are, are much less sustainable, much less Ex- sustainable exactly. than pouches. That's and what people, I tell yep, people. And yep. I'm like, this glass jar is, number one, a heavy I did speak to the store managers as well and said, I asked them, I said, what would you prefer? And they said, you know what, glass jars are a nightmare because when they break, there's glass everywhere. We have to sweep, we have to clean, we have to like, and they're heavy. And I thought, okay, so let me, and that's when I said, I also started doing some research and I I think that's when I came across your brand or I was Mm -hmm. looking for soup ideas of pouch, uh, soup in pouch ideas. And I think one of your brands came, um, one of your products came up. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I think pouch is the way to go. So um, I started researching pouches. And now the peanut, this is where the peanut comes in. It mm-hmm. took me. And so to move into Sobeys and to be able to work in my business, sorry, on my business, not in, like actively the way. Not I actively cooking, cooking all day cooking long. Right. <laughs> because, Alison, I don't know if this used to happen to you at the beginning, Um when I saw orders coming in, I used to have like heart palpitations mm-hmm. because I instead of being excited yep. that I had orders, I was yep. scared because I'm like, I have to go to the kitchen again. And it was a nightmare. Yep. Like I was so exhausted. The production days were exhausting because I would yep. either forget an onion, forget to buy something. And I had to rush to the wholesale warehouse right. or buy it retail, just a grocery store yep. down the production facility because the inventory management was like, small there like, wasn't real was, inventory exactly. management and right soup and sauce even though yes you're pouring everything into the kettle if you're making it with like a various a bit of variety of ingredients mm-hmm. like you have like salt black pepper this like mm-hmm. you know onions garlic like so many ingredients into just one kettle and if you forget just one ingredient you have to go figure it out and buy it or if you yeah. if you suddenly realize you're out of onions that's it right so um, <laughs> I remember I remember that yeah. day and you know to be fair I would be filling I wasn't in the incubator kitchen making it because mm-hmm. I was fortunate to work with like actual people who could really cook at Haven's Kitchen oh, and so oh, they would be like 
they, but I remember just basically getting a PO, like, which is a purchase order. I got, we got our first one on like, I don't know, Wednesday and everyone, and you know, it was just, everyone was relieved and we were Mm -hmm. like, phew, we got that out the door and we figured out all the logistics and whatever. And then we got one 48 hours later for like four times the amount. And I just, I just sat on the floor and cried. And I remember calling my friend Zach, who had been, you know, he had worked at Sir Kensington's and basically being like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think we can do this. Like I don't. And he said, there's a fundamental law you've heard. It's called supply and demand. You are never, ever from, from now until the rest of your business, you're never going to have exactly the same supply as you have demand. You're going to have to figure out what to do when your supply is more than the demand. And then you're going to have to figure out what to do when your demand is more than the supply. And that's literally the whole game for the like rest of your life. Exactly. (laughs) He's like, so it just happened to you on purchase order number two and Mm -hmm. you'll figure it out. And, you know, like I'm sure in your case, you know, you have this major retailer, you need to look like a big kid. You need to look like, you know, you can fulfill. So I'm imagining you move to a co-packer. Yes, I had to. So yeah. because number one, you can't in in Canada anyway, you can't produce in a in a shared kitchen. Right. It won't meet the CFI mm-hmm. like the the, yeah. the health standard uh, uh, requirements uh, to be in a big retailer. The smaller retailer, the mom and pop stores, they were fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I was. I was only I wasn't online. I didn't have e-commerce because I mm-hmm. couldn't figure out how to ship. None like, of us could. Chilled right. food. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just too expensive to me and I just didn't have, I, I didn't want to deal with that. So I only was just producing for the mom and pop like stores or people who would buy directly from me, right. um, through like uh, Instagram and all that. So anyway, um, so that was going on and I thought, okay, my chicken peanut mm-hmm. is like my, at the time I used to call it like, you know, how Coca-Cola has like Fanta <laughs> Sprite. It was like yeah. my Coke. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I don't want to get rid of this. It's like blueberry Chobani. Yeah. It took me over five months because I was holding on tightly to, the to that skew, mm-hmm. to that recipe. And I said, every co-packer kept saying no. Mm-hmm. And um, my food developer was like, Lola, what about we try cash? I'm like, but there's nothing like an African cashew peanut soup. Mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. eat cashew soup. Right. right. So it's a different thing if I'm just trying to create a different recipe, but then it wouldn't be authentically the African recipe yep. that I was making. For sure. So I, I, it was very heartbreaking. And I just, you know, it was just one of those decisions that I had to make. And he talked to me, he's like, Lola, it's not like you're letting go of this baby. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like you're forgetting it. Um, it's just you have to have the other siblings run the race right now and then the <laughs> peanut will catch up when you have the funding when you've proven yourself to the co-packers that you're worth the risk and all right. that stuff so um i had to so that's when i now brought in the moroccan chickpea mm, mm-hmm. so we had the chickpea replace that and then i stopped um um i discontinued the fish pepper soup I am going to still bring back a pepper soup because when we have pepper soup in Nigeria, we have it either with a type of beef, any type of mm-hmm. beef. Like some most times, a lot of times it's goat meat um, or, or a beef. And then mm-hmm. we have it with chicken and then we have it with seafood. 
Um, so I thought, okay, seafood, even going into a co-packer can be a little complex. Or yeah, like, for sure. I'm just going to have chicken. Um, so we're going to have a chicken pepper soup in the future because pepper soup is really amazing. But mm, I think mm-hmm. starting it with fish, which I wanted to have, like my idea at the time was have one fish, one chicken, one right, meat, one and one veggie. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so that's what was I was going to have one seafood, one one for each category. But I, that was not necessarily the best move so um so i'm gonna have that come back but with chicken instead um so then we had the african pepper sauce the african pepper sauce is doing amazing as well that one is shelf stable but i want to also introduce uh, two more african sauces Mm -hmm. because having a lone sauce on its own which is something i realized after i'd launched the sauce is that it's lonely and so they have to sell Mm-hmm. the sauce with the soups in the fridge because it's just right. one sauce from a new brand. Like you just can't just have one. Soup right. Just so that's actually, shelf. that's very, very helpful because I think yeah. people don't know, you know, I would say, and I'd love your opinion. I would say the yeah. minimum number of SKUs to come out of the gate with is yeah. three. Like yes, you just, sure. right. Like you want to have yeah, I agree. three flavors. You don't want to have eight. They're not going to nope. take eight if you're a new brand. Nope. But you yes. don't want to have one product that's just yes. sitting there alone on the shelf. Exactly. You will have a winner. Like, I feel yes. like everyone just has a winner. It's like mm-hmm. the bulk of their sales. And then the other ones are sort of like the support cast. And for people yes. who are like diehard, you yes. know, if you think about ice cream, everyone buys vanilla, but you have vanilla. to have, mm-hmm. you know, chocolate, caramel, brownie, almond mm-hmm. fudge, swirl, oh, yeah. you know, whatever next to it. Um, but let's talk about the sales a little bit because, you know, you just kind of were like, yeah, so I went to Sobeys and they loved it. And then that was that, like, is there a bigger story to it? Like how, yeah. did, how, how did you get even in front of them? So, so the mentor who I mentioned, um, mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. thought it was a great idea. He's like, okay, Lola, I'm gonna, I know, uh, cause he's like in the industry. And so mm-hmm. he had a relation, he'd worked, he'd done food development for Sobe. So he knew mm. this lady who runs the, um, a local food program. It's a program to help local brands. And so they have this program where they help you, they support you in launching into Sobeys in their just Ontario stores. Mm-hmm. And so I got, so that's how I got the meeting and, you know, they, they, you know, heard the story and looked and at did the you have to, and, did you, did you have to figure out how to, you know, we didn't know what a corrugated was. We, you know, we had these couches and, and, yeah. uh, you know, John at Whole Foods was like, they need to be in a something on the shelf so they don't fall over you know we didn't know any of that like did you just have to learn all of that as you were getting ready to launch there yes i uh it was always like with some of this big stores it seems like it's always a moving target like you know uh for example i had a nightmare story just before so i was supposed to so (laughs) um so let me just kind of rewind so i'd been doing it on my own with the delay with the co-packer finding a co-packer mm-hmm. i've gotten this interest to list from sobeys by like sometime in mid late uh, 2018 mm. but it dragged on to 20 no what am i saying sorry mid late 2019 mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. then it dragged on to 2020 um uh, because i was wait, spending a lot of time finding a co-packer right. trying to figure out what packaging i kept moving between glass jars to pouches to different things and um, so by the time I decided to go ahead and finally just, you know, let go of the peanut for temporarily, um, I 
started looking into basically, okay, what am I going to do? Which co-pack am I going to work with? And the co-pack I picked at the time did already supply to Sobeys and, you know, they showed me their licenses. But what did I know that they only had a provincial license? A provincial, I guess, in the mm. States is basically the state. For the state, the US, right, that's right, That's what right. you guys call your state. Like, we call it the province. So the province right. of Ontario, the state of Ontario is the license they had, health and safety license, which is from the same, basically the same kind of body. But Sobeys wanted a federal license, uh-huh. which is basically the whole of Canada. Oh so gosh. it's basically the same kind of licensing authority. It's just a more kind of, right. you know, bigger yeah. license. They've paid I didn't for know more that. And they, right. the Copac currently supplies Sobeys. So I thought if they already supply Sobeys, then there's no issue. And um, that's what I mean about a moving target. And right. you as a rookie already, like, everything is already set up. They're already, we're almost ready to go with the appeal. And then... Uh, the contact at Sobe says, uh, Lola, uh, can you find me the CFI? They only have the uh, SF something. I'm like, yeah. what? So I go back. And so I had to start looking for another co-packer desperately. And wow. one of the boo-boos I made was mm-hmm. that this co-packer giving me pricing. Mm-hmm. And as you know, if it's a complex African recipes, a little bit. Yeah, anything that isn't like dump, dump, mix yes. is going to be expensive. It's not a dump, dump, mix. It's a fry, fry <laughs> right. the spice, fry this, yep. put this. It's steps yep. and it's like marinade. Yeah, yep. blend Most. this and then gently <laughs> add this and then exactly. do another. Yep, yep. And so if it has it, particulates in it, I remember. Oh, my God. I was, it was who expensive. Was I talking to? Yeah, I, like, I know. I am not going to make any money from this. Yeah. So at the time. Well, the next I, things you're going to make are just purees. That's exactly. how, yeah, it's all going to balance so, out. So I, um, I, I, I had, we kind of come to a, a decent pricing with this co-packer, which I'm the co-packer I'm not using anymore now. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had to go find another co-packer. Luckily I found someone through my distributor that I just signed up with it. Like, Oh, try this co-packer. And they're amazing. They're the ones I work with right now, but they're more expensive. Mm-hmm. But the issue now is based on the fact that I worked with this co-packer, done the submissions done my pricing submissions based on that pricing, based my margins on that. And now I have this like 50 cents higher. And you Uh know what 50 cents means. Yeah, it's a lot. Right. So Uh it's a lot of money. And I'm like, oh, my God, I am messed up. And everything is already submitted. Right. All they're waiting for is to finalize. So it was just this kind of situation like, what am I going to do? And it's, it's that kind of thing where you're like, how am I going to like withdraw this one time opportunity that I have right. with this big company that is just giving me this opportunity? What yeah. am I going to do? And so what did you do? I'll did just, you change the price or you just ate so, it? So because I already submitted it, they've already right. put it true. All they were waiting for was like um, to say, so they already approved me. They already sent it to their head. Like everything was basically done. I was just, mm-hmm. they were just, I was just waiting for like basically the PO. And then I guess they found out that the, um, the co-packer thing wasn't done. And I think it's the kind of thing where, like I said, it's that kind of mistake that I, 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 I don't know if I'll call it a mistake, but a learning. Um, yeah. It wasn't. Learned. Yeah. I mean, um, it's the only, yeah. th- you don't know how to anticipate what you don't know until you've exactly. experienced it. Right. Exactly. So it's not even a mistake. It's just, yeah. you know, it's. So you know. at the time, I guess looking back now, I should have just said, you know what? Those prices I gave you, now that you asked me to move to another co-packer, that has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't because I thought, well, I'll keep n- negotiating with this co-packer. I don't want to make them Yeah, you don't want to rock the boat. Right. I don't want to rock the boat. I have this opportunity. And so I went with it. 
Um, and I mean, I was basically just at the point where it was still like, okay, it's still decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you continue to expand and you grow and like, okay, wow, I need a broker. Okay. Wow. I need mm-hmm. this. I need that. I need that. I'm like, Lola. They chip away <laughs> so, at the margin. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And by the time I now decided I want to, to increase my price, um, with COVID happening, even the pricing from suppliers, I, I don't know if you're experiencing this in mm-hmm. the U S but the pricing of products, ingredients are increasing. And yeah. so, um, so I'm like, um, I want to increase my price. I'm a distributor is like, well, they did say, um, that there could be no, there's a freeze on price increases because of COVID. And I'm like, uh, it's because of COVID we need to increase. Our right. Prices. Exactly. So, <laughs> How ironic. So, but, right. Yeah. But yeah, I am going to have to adjust my pricing and I, what I had to do, and I think I'll just say this to listeners who are yeah. at this stage is that just be confident in your product and your pricing. The reason why I price myself at par with some of the other soups or sauces out like even lower is because of that same confidence in Mm -hmm. my brand and story issue because I felt like, okay, I'm just blessed and lucky to be here. I'm this African who is at this table. I don't want to like, I want people to like my product. I don't want people to, but then a friend of mine who is a vegan, uh, who has a vegan product is like, Lola, your brand is amazing. It tastes amazing. Your packaging is amazing. That alone is expensive. You cannot put yourself at par with somebody who is yeah. just buying this in this jar and just putting a sticker on it. It's your product is not just broth and vegetables pureed together. Yeah. It is a layering of spices and in like import. Are you import your spices? Come on. Like, yeah, if it's better to have, um, um, profit of five dollars for 100 customers than a profit of a dollar for 500 customers like think about what you want that might be good for somebody else but at this stage the amount of marketing and effort it will take you to win 500 customers for you is a lot as a small brand so why don't you market yourself as the premium like like this premium Mm -hmm. special which is what you are because yes there are other soups there but are they other african soups Right. No. Right. Yep. So, um, and when people taste it and, um, you know, the lessons learned from when I started to now is the layering, the flavors, everything that we've done to make this brand premium, it's hearty. Um, I remember when I was talking to this new pack, co-packer and they were trying to figure out how to make it, um, cost more cost effective. And they were like, Lola, can we add water mm. to the sauce? And I was like, uh, no, no, like Africans mm-hmm. in our sauces, like we dry up the water. It's not a water. It's a, it's an oil based like sauce. Like unless we put in more oil, which we can't like the oil in it is just enough. Like, mm-hmm. so the, we're still trying to figure out things in a way whereby we can make it cost effective. Right. The, You're the never going to give up on the quality main issue. The main, I'm not going to give on quality. So the main thing I have to do is adjust my price. And I just sent it over to the jury. I'm like, I have to increase my price and let the, let the, let the, 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 uh, retailers just know that it was a, it was a, what's the word I, I, I told her to say, it was like a, a starting price. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. It's a startup price and I'm still small enough. Like I'm just in Ontario right, right now. I'm still at the point where I can make these changes. Yeah. I can make, uh, recover from any like mistakes. I can recover from any, like we said, challenges. I don't want to be national a national brand or in the States and now making adjustments. Yep, this is a 100%. time where you're still small. Figure so, it out. And, yep. Yeah. And so that's why I tell people like when people say, Oh, when are you going to get into Walmart? When are you? I'm like, Mm-mm. I'm still trying to learn. Don't, 
you know, crawl, don't even walk before you run, crawl in this industry before you run, test the market, make, you know, those like changes that you can while you're still small. Well, people will still forgive you yep. than, you know, when you're bigger and then you're like, just yeah, realizing that you're late. losing money. Yeah. Right. No, For I me think right now, even though my yeah. margins are thin, I'm not losing money because I'm still, I don't have yeah. that much overhead. I'm not, but by the time you're a bigger brand where you have a team and mm-hmm. all that, your profit margins are so thin. And that's one of the surprises I realized from the food industry is yeah. that everybody eats more than you do. <laughs> yep. That is true. I mean, I mean, yeah. even I, you know, we, we, we're going to wrap up in a minute, but you know, yeah. I, I remember being like, wait, distributors take what? And brokers mm-hmm. take what? And I know, you know, so, but I do think that your What's point is, is really important though. And I think it's the, the great way to end it. Like if you're, all the decisions that you make, like, yeah, there are going to be people who come after you and they're like, other soup is two ninety nine. You know, yes. you can't, yes. you're never going to make those and people happy why. and they're that never going to be decision. right. But they're never going to be the real consumers because they're just looking yeah. for deals and yeah. you're looking for loyal people who care about your brand, who care about quality, never be embarrassed about having a high quality product. And yes. my my now the way I think about it is like I'm ready to answer that. You know, I even did it for a friend of mine who has a sparkling water and I saw on their on their Instagram someone was like this is just flavored water. I'm going to go get LaCroix. And I I wrote in their Instagram like here's the reasons why this is not LaCroix. And That's maybe amazing. you know it, it's not even that it's amazing. It's like it, it, it's there's it's the world is so reductive. They make everything so like well, I can get this for two ninety nine. Yeah. So why yeah. do you? What do you like? As if we're so killing it, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's what's so special: A, B, C, D, E. Yes. And the minute yes. that you have that in your brain, forget about even putting it out into the public. All of a sudden, you have the confidence to go out into the world exactly. and to say, "This is why it's worth it. This is why I'm exactly. worth it." You know. Exactly. Exactly. All and right. that's what I had to come around you just That's been your tell journey. myself Lola you've worked so hard at this you created a high quality brand you've created a, a, a you filled a gap for people and people message and say oh my god this reminds me of home mm-hmm. and people say this is the best I've never had a sauce like this um and you know you've made it high quality and so dim- you know, have that confidence in putting that price of what it's worth. And people who are loyal to the brand and people who love qual- the quality of the brand of the flavors will They'll buy build it. it. Yeah. And so that's what I decided to do. And so that's what you just have to decide what it, this is not everyone's story. And the way my journey has been would not necessarily be everyone. Some people say, oh, wow, Lola, you've grown so fast within like basically two years, you're already in big stores. And some people have grown faster. Some people are slower. Your yeah. journey is different. And that's why I always try to tell people, just don't compare yourself on Instagram. Look at mm-hmm. other brands and be like, oh, my God, this brand is killing it. Yeah. It's all smoking mirrors. Don't totally. believe just what you're seeing A on Instagram. thousand percent. Because, yeah, it is not always the reality. Yeah. And, uh, and too fast is never a good idea. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Lola, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was so nice getting to talk to you. I'm going to um, DM you in a little bit to get my yeah. suit. Amanda, um, thank you for engineering. Um, Listeners, thank you for listening. I have lots of fun guests lined up. 
um, for the next couple months. I won't be recording next uh, Monday because actually my daughter's graduating from high school and it's Memorial what? Day. I know. Um, I have a daughter graduating from high school. Yeah, I yeah, wow. and she's my fourth. Yeah. Um, congratulations! What? Thank you. I know. Sorry, I, like you cannot <laughs> sound or look it. So, congratulations! It's all on the inside. Um, <laughs> anyway, I will be back in two weeks with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>